This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to The Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Barnabas Piper talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Books and podcasts are always best with a great cup of coffee. That's why we've partnered with Ligaris Roasters to create the Table of Malcontents blend. And guys, it's delicious. A smooth Brazilian roast that will make your heart happy. Head over to LagarisRoasters.com to order a bag or 12 today. Hey everybody, welcome to a special Thanksgiving week bonus episode of Table of Malcontents. Bonus. Bonus. See, bonus. That's bonus, right. Eh? Bonus, eh? Yeah. So uh, American Thanksgiving specifically, because as a right. Canadian, um, well, mine was several mo- several weeks ago. Yeah. Why is it in October? Um, I mean, that it seems was, more. Like, I mean, it's it's a whole like harvest yeah, time. It's, so, yeah. It's it's a whole oh, so thing. So up north, you're right. Harvesting happens earlier. I get it. Yeah, All right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. And you know, in mid mid July and <laughs> mid July, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they plant everything in June and it yeah, comes that's out right. In July. That's right. So one month. Just that's right. So so. We were planning on skipping this week, um, just to just to treat ourselves and love ourselves appropriately. We don't. Do, you, you and Barnabas do that. I don't do that. All right, listen. I'm just drinking my water, not my coffee. The way you guys have this fascinating relationship with Ligaris Roasted Coffee. Look, Ligaris <laughs> Roasters Coffee is delicious, and you should get several bags of Table of Malcontents yeah. blend. So, okay. but anyway, this week we wanted to present you with one of our favorite moments. This is our Thanksgiving present to you, uh, representing our uh, our favorite moment of making Barnabas really, really angry, and. And Dave, this is also a highlight for you because this—it's—it's it's my justification of absolutely. being on this podcast, right there. This—this this oh, is no. why you've been on this show for so long. That's now. it. That's it's, it. It's and amazing. Now I'm like wondering, like, gosh, I got to come up with someone else to get on the show. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Out. You are—you're always in danger, aren't oh, you? I am. I am. I know. You know, at some point, I'm going to be in danger of getting kicked out, aren't I? You're going to be fine. Don't all right. Worry. That's yeah. right. Because I do all the work. It's awesome. You do all the work. <laughs> so we're, we're very whatever we can do for Aaron. Uh, that's, that's it. Right. But. Uh, uh, no, we are we are talking about Leifinger, yeah. and uh, man, go back and listen to that episode. It was like well, a, you're going to listen to it right yeah, now, so you don't right. even have yes. to go back oh, to listen right. to it. We are. That's right. That's what we're doing. That's, that's the right. Bonus episode. Go back and just have all the feels. Yes, I will say this. I was in a um, uh, another dad, you know, through school. We were like going to basketball practice for our kids, and uh, he's walking in with a copy of. Virgil Wander. Yes. So Chris Camp out there. I, I actually gave, I shared this episode uh, with Chris and I said, Chris, dude, you got to share this with your group because um, it's a, uh, um, uh, what does he call his group? It's like a, uh, you bleep it out. Okay. Right here. So sure. It's like, you know, it's a bourbon and bourbon book and a brew or something like that. Oh, you know? okay. So yeah, I don't know, but it's, it's fun. It's one of those kind of book clubs for mm. dudes and, mm. uh, but no, they'd never read any Leifinger, and someone had recommended it to them. And uh, That someone and it, was you, of course. Well, I don't think it was. No, it wasn't, because I talked to it. But also, I was so surprised he'd never heard of Peace Like a Like a River. What? I said, all right, you guys need to immediately follow it up with Peace Like a River after you guys do this for your club. So Virtual Wonder is, by the way, a great book for a dude's book club. All it right? is. It is. Yeah. So so when we get when we finally get our paid book clubs up and yeah, running. I know. This is our Reese Witherspoon. Absolutely. Uh, Aaron and Dave and our, uh, club, book club. Our Reese Witherspoon, our Mike Hyatt, you know, we are. Yeah. It's no. going to be good. Eat it's going to be good. out, Oprah. That's we're, right. We're on, we're on to you right here. Yeah. All I right. Like so uh, enjoy Leifanger and, um, you know, also rejoice in Barnabas's sadness and bitterness at still missing this. Our uh, special guest today is the author of several notable books, um, including Peace Like a River, So Young, Brave, and Handsome, and Virgil Wander, all of which you have heard if you've been listening to the show for even one episode. You've heard our good friend (laughs) Barnabas gush about incessantly. (laughs) Um, But Barnabas isn't even here, so I'm going to read uh, a text from him to uh, Aaron and I. This is one of the greatest professional failures of my life. 
missing this particular podcast. And, and this Piper, you know, you really, go. I think and uh, you'll, you'll, you'll know why here. So, and and I really, I think, yeah. I think it extends beyond professional failure yeah, to personal failure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I he mean, tried to make it professional, but no, yeah, no, he's he, just weird, this so. is a personal failing so, on his uh, part. So, so life, I'm sure he'll get over it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so welcome to the show, and sure, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank I you. love it. Thanks for having me. No, it is. It's we love we love that you're in town to do this. Life is in town to do a book signing at Parnassus Books, which is a fantastic bookstore here in Nashville. It is a book lover's paradise. It is, so, in fact, one of my favorites. It is, absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Mm-hmm. I know. It, yeah. yeah, that's right. I know. I've never seen Parnassus before, but I hear great things. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to love it. It'll be fun. But yeah. um, but no, so I remember um, it's been a few years when I was, uh, you know, like any good book we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, a good friend recommends, right? Absolutely. And so it was um, a buddy of mine, Matt West, who said, Dave, you have to read this book. You have to read this book. You have to read this book. And we were in a used bookstore, same thing. And I think he picked up Peace Like a River and uh, and he said, yeah, and this is it. This is yours. But I think the funny thing is they may actually have been out of a copy at that time. So I got it later. But uh, <laughs> I, but I think I may have read uh, So Brave, Young and Handsome first, which mm-hmm. is probably not the order of how people would. That's pretty disc- rare. I know. Yeah, yeah so that's pretty that, rare. That's what I read first. Yeah. And then I immediately read Peace Like a River after and, uh, we, you know, was, you know, was hooked. I, I felt like, OK. There's here's a writer who 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 gets how to um, take really imaginative characters <laughs> and build a story around them, and uh, it's not obvious. Um, and we'll talk about what that means because I really mm-hmm. want to explore that. Um, but um, but but I but there's been kind of this process over the last few years where I'll meet someone and discover. Wait a minute. Yeah, I'm reading. You know, I, I do you like Layfinger? I can't. Remember. We're like talking books. Yeah. And Barnabas is one, and we both were like locking eyes like in Step Brothers, like did we become best friends just now right yep. now <laughs> yes yes right yeah yeah so um no it's just an appreciation of just um um we, we, we so glad you have written these and i don't want to explore mm-hmm. that oh, but, thanks uh, very much yes. but and we introduced Aaron. So this, this is true this, this is a convert so, in the process um, so i yeah. only just recently um and it was actually I consumed it via audiobook, so ah. it was uh, it was your words as read by uh, one Chad Lowe, right? right. Um, for Peace Like a River, um, <laughs> I love audiobooks. By yeah, the way, yes. Robin and I listen yes. to them they all the time. They are so mm-hmm. fun, aren't it's they? It's a great way to read. Absolutely, it really is, and it makes the commute bearable. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, know what yeah. you mean. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> side note, Eric Idle. We'll get to him in a minute. Ooh, like a good Monty <laughs> Python accent. Absolutely. To, uh, to make it a is book really, really better good. Too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but we'll get there. We'll yeah. get there. Um, but yeah, I um, I got into Peace Like a River just recently and finished it. I started it and finished it in October. Um, really, really enjoyed it. It was just, it was just fun to fun to hear and um these guys passed on a copy of virgil wander and um you know i've been just making my way through that and um i think my favorite line that i found just in the first Mm -hmm. little bit of the book was um uh was the description of a man that was um he had the he had the body of a former athlete who um who was (laughs) beaten by pastry (laughs) Um, and it's like you, but you hear it and I I apologize for butchering it, but, uh, um, but you hear it and it's like, you immediately know what, what is being talked about. So, Mm -hmm. so now we're all going to start fawning. Yeah, there we go. There we go. We've, we've got to make up for (laughs) the lack of Barnabas. Uh, Absolutely. Well, (laughs) well, Virgil wanted was a lot of fun to write. It was, it was enormous fun to write. And, um, you mentioned Dave that it had been a while since I last had a book. It's been 10 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Why is that? You got to, yeah, tell us. Right. That's yeah. everyone's first question. Where have you been? What took yeah. you so long? Uh, the short answer and the easy one is I had to write the thing twice. Uh, I, I wrote uh-huh. I wrote a draft. Um, and when I was finished with that draft after a few years, uh, I, I opened it up and read it one day when it had sat for a while. Yeah. And I didn't like what I had. I, I had written a book that that I thought was bad, and there was mm-hmm. there was a lot of inert prose. Uh, you yeah. know, sentences just lay on the pages. They should get up and stride around and grab you by the lapels, but no, they were just laying there. So mm-hmm. uh, I realized I I was missing a key component. You know, there's a three legged stool with fiction. Mm-hmm. You've got to have character, story, and voice. And I had characters. I had a story, mm-hmm. but I did not have a cohesive and compelling voice mm-hmm. to tell the story in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point. Um, 
through a lot of things we can discuss if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I gained access to the voice of Virgil Wander, and yeah. once I struck that vein, it carried me through. Um, but so, that's what took so long. So who are you thinking about when you're trying to create this character? Like who, like who, is, yeah, tell us about Virgil Wander. Okay, so Virgil, um, Virgil is a, uh, a small town theater owner mm-hmm. in northern Minnesota on the North Shore of Lake Superior, which is our inland sea, <laughs> um, a place where anything is possible. It's like an ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beauty is such that it almost hurts your eyes to drive up the coast. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are all these little towns up there that uh, were prosperous in the 50s and 60s with the mining, the iron ore, the taconite boom, um, and have been in decline ever since. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always some mining going on and some shipping going on, but the booms are further and farther between, mm-hmm. and the busts are deeper and last longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a very real situation that exists up there. I wanted to set a story there. And I wanted to involve a man who owns a failing movie theater in this failing town. And there's a story behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, back in 1992, um, my wife Robin and I went down to visit her parents who had retired to a small town in inland Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, one night we decided to get out of their hair and go see a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went into the nearest small town, had a movie theater, and it was this decaying, decrepit, uh, 19, I'd say early 40s era movie theater um, that was showing, and this is why I remember it was 1992, White Men Can't Jump. I don't remember <laughs> a thing about the picture. I just don't remember it. But I remember everything about that theater. Yes. Because you walked in. Yeah. It had this kind of mossy smell, yeah. uh, this kind of ammoniac smell, <clears throat> this kind of urinary smell that so many old, yeah. old theaters acquire over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't super pleasant on the face of it. Uh, there was uh, a hole in the floor in the lobby that he had roped off with police tape so you wouldn't fall through it. He oh was doing goodness. all of the work himself. And mm-hmm. here's, here's what was compelling about the situation. This young guy, he was, I would say, a contemporary of mine. He was 28 or 30 years old. Um, he had leveraged himself to buy this theater. Um, and he had done it out of this sense of mission because the people of his town didn't have a movie theater. There was no multiplex. Mm -hmm. Um, He wanted them to have a place to go to get out of the heat on a Saturday afternoon in Florida. He wanted to be able to unspool a good story or even maybe a terrible story in front of them on the screen. He cared about his community. And so he did this as a uh, as an act of love, I would say, for his, okay. for his town, for his community. Mm-hmm. And before the film, because he was also the projectionist, he made the popcorn, he, did, he didn't have any employees. Did he did everything. He went down in front and he stood in front of the, of the, of the curtain, which was still closed, and he kind of slouched forward a little and rubbed his hands together and said, welcome to my theater. And at that point, you just thought, something is either really going wrong here or is really going right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was mm. he was a man on uh, a mission. And mm. I just, I don't remember anything about the film, but I'll tell you what, that guy stuck in my head. Yeah. Uh, because it seemed to me that what he was doing was heroic in a way. It was, uh, Robin leaned over and said to me, uh, this is his, this is his, um, Homesick Restaurant. Mm -hmm. So she was referring to a great Ann Tyler novel called Dinner at the Homesick Restaurant. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and of course, the the idea there is that that there's a restaurant where people go because they're hungry, they're famished, they don't know what they Mm -hmm. want, but they go and they receive what they need, Mm -hmm. you know? And and that's such a lovely idea Mm -hmm. um, that that guy was always in the back of my mind. So when I was looking around, kind of casting about, how am I going to... um, how am I going to write this book? Especially once I had written the, the book the first time and I realized, no, this is flawed. I've got to do it again. Yeah. Um, I remembered that man yeah. uh, who I'd thought of so often and I just I lifted him up out of Florida and put him down on the North Shore mm. in a place that really needed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where Virgil came from and his voice um, his voice um, just sort of arrived once I once I thought of that. Then his voice was there, and I had something that would carry me forward. Yeah, absolutely. So this takes place in modern day. Yeah, correct. Yeah, which is different from the previous two novels. Right. Um, yeah. Was that different writing? Just like just because because a lot of people may not know what the what the scenery would look like until you describe it to them in right. the previous yeah. books. What's sure. it like now? Like, yeah. Well, it's it's modern day, and it was uh, it was quite different. 
mm-hmm. to work uh, in a modern time. Mm-hmm. But I think that it doesn't it doesn't feel entirely modern. Um, th- there's not much emphasis on cell phones. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's not yeah. much. Uh, look, a lot of these towns don't feel very modern day now when you drive through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a there's a town up on the shore that still has a, a water tower that's made out of wood planks, mm-hmm. um, and that in order to I imagine save money, they didn't put an actual structure underneath it. They built it on the hillside, so that gravity would just work that way, like it does with a water tower on on stilts. Um, that was one of those places that that stuck in my head. And my son, who was traveling with me and uh, on a trip that we took up the shore, said, "Dad, I think if I just yanked out one of these legs under the water tower, it would roll all the way to the lake. Uh, and there's something you never forget when yeah. uh, when your boy has that kind of an idea. So that actually um, gets a mention in, in the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit of a bad luck town, and a lot of those towns do feel like they've had more than their share yeah. uh, of, of grim fortune and bad luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, that's where you really want to work. Mm-hmm. There's got to be an interior tension inside of any novel. And mm-hmm. and for me, the, the tension between a place that is so beautiful, your eyes ache, but where you can't make a living, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good source of tension right mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I totally forgot what your question was. but No, you're, no, well, you're rolling right into yeah. it. So when you were um, in the running process, your, your wife, Robin, is she a soundboard or are there other people that you would trust with the content? Uh, mostly it was Robin, and I didn't even read her very much. Um, I, I, uh, I'm very careful about sharing my stuff mm. until it's in a, in a place where I feel like I don't have to be ashamed of it. Mm. I write really <laughs> terrible uh, discursive first drafts that just go all over the map. Um, and I think it's for me it's necessary to write what's probably a fairly lousy first draft. Uh, so that I can go back and do the fun work of rewriting. That's mm-hmm. where the joy is for me, uh, is in the rewriting process. What do, you, what do you think about that, Aaron? I'm just well, curious, yeah, because well, Aaron, yeah. Aaron's written a book, but That's he also true. writes multiple uh, yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, so well, I mean, definitely. I mean, for me, the process ends up being a little bit different because um, I do the thing you should never do, which you're supposed to never do. <laughs> What's that? Which is you're, ed- you're self-editing as you go. <laughs> oh, and so, yes. Yeah. Um, so, it's painful. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's like painful. sometimes it just takes a long time to get something out. Yeah. Um, because it's just like I can't, I can't get the bad draft out. Right. But I'm stuck until I can, until I can crack a sentence and make it make sense to me. And um, yeah. And, but I mean... I, I definitely resonate yeah. with uh, the whole idea of I don't want to show someone something until I'm I'm not going to be embarrassed by it. Yeah. Um, and it, like there's there's I know not everybody feels like this, but there's something that's just very personal uh, about there's a personal connection to how you use words that yeah. um, that it's like if if someone doesn't like this. What is what does that say about me? Almost. Oh yeah, yeah. I you don't know? know if I don't know if that ever goes away. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will say that my skin is much thicker than it used to be. Uh-huh. Um, which you know, I was wondering how that would go. It's been ten years since I had a novel. I thought, what if I'm uh, what if I'm really thin skinned? What if I get the bad reviews and I'm? Uh, what if it just ruins my life? Yeah. I was a little worried about that. Um, but then on, I mean, on pub day, October 2nd, I got a terrible review from the Washington Post. And, uh, and I forgot it after an hour. It was oh, like, oh, no, I guess I'm all right. Yeah. I guess, yeah. I guess I'm okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You, I don't know. You both use some interesting words. I heard okay. you say shame, and I heard you say embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to it. Yeah. I mean, those are both pretty powerful words to describe, like, how you would feel if you're, like, kind of exposing your... your your heart really in, in yeah. this way. I mean, is that how a writer feels, in the, you know, when you're in the middle of I mean, this? Like you're kind of naked before the world. That's I don't crazy. think that's uncommon. Yeah. 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 I, I'd say that's pretty normal. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's there's also like there's the and, it, and it's different from from the concern about am I going to be able to live up to, you know, whatever external expectations yeah, there right. are. And I mean, um, you know, y- you have significantly different external expectations. Uh, expectations than than I would 
um, coming at me or that Barnabas, mm-hmm. if he were here, would come at, or even most of the authors that we that we work mm-hmm. with, uh, that we work with on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, but they do still exist. That oh, they do. You know, and mm-hmm. it's and it's mm-hmm. those those I usually find easier, a little bit easier to brush off and right. to just not be worried about those. But for me, it's because um, I have a nasty habit of. Um, being curmudgeon about the state of um, artistry in mm-hmm. Christian writing um, in that it is n- virtually non-existent in many cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hurts my heart a lot um, because I love good writing mm-hmm. um, to the point that, um, and it, but I mean, I love good storytelling. I love mm-hmm. good, I just love good art um, to the point that we were actually having a um, rather bordering on heated discussion yesterday <laughs> um, with a couple members of our of our small group and like meet the the we being me and my my wife and um, <laughs> and so it was really my wife me and my wife having a heated discussion with our friends there um, at least you and your wife were on the same side yeah. oh well interestingly <laughs> she's like she she's got some mm. Uh, she she feels attention because she's like you know I hate the things that we're constantly being exposed to in mm-hmm. you know in a lot of um, you know you know general culture movies and books and and music and stuff like this and I'm like I agree but the answer is not to the the answer is not to jump into the Christian ghetto mm-hmm. um, where yeah. we have this wrong idea that. Um, that the answer is the answer is to make something that's kind of like that, but Christian, um, <laughs> and instead, which yeah. just means that we're making bad things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the answer is to do good things. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. We, we were talking so. earlier. Uh, Andrew Peterson was in the room, or uh, we're talking about Andy Crouch. who would say, you know, this is a chance for Christians to be the be the to make culture to create it. Correct. As opposed to just let it define what we are and and just kind of sit idly by or go to our ghetto, as you said. And yeah. Well, sure, but I think there are also. I mean, there's something to be said for just reading widely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and for going to movies uh, in a broad sense, and mm-hmm. and maybe we don't want to be exposed to all kinds of stuff. Uh, but at the same time, um, the world that we live in, uh, the times, uh, expose us to those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, it's how we respond to them. And uh, obviously we can choose not to go to certain movies if we think there's going to be content that bugs us or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or or mm-hmm. we can decide to be the kind of person who um, is able to shrug off what we don't like and still get something wonderful right. from the movies that we go and see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or from the books that we read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean – Definitely. I mean, obeying our consciences is key yeah. um, in that. Um, but yeah, the the answer yeah. is what can we engage with for sure? Obey yeah. our consciences, but let's not be fearful people. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 I like yeah. that. Yeah. I like that. Back to Virgil Wonder for a second. So um, I'm always fixated on the theater. And yeah, I know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the theater is fascinating to me. Um um, but before that, I want to read a line uh, that Russ Ramsey wrote, and uh, this is your interview of how you describe. You describe Virgil Wander as uh, your most Christian novel, yet least evangelical. So, <laughs> and I knew to exp- I, 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 uh-huh. I, I'll, I'll explain in a second about what I thought of the theater, but I want to hear from you first on kind of what that means. I think it has to do with um, maybe the futility of um, of argument. Uh, I mean, I, if if you take the word evangelical, um, that would that would mean uh, someone who evangelizes yeah. or someone mm-hmm. who um, who takes it as their mission to uh, to expand um, Christianity yeah. um, through evangelical means. Uh, and you know, I, I don't I don't know what people are going to think of this, but I feel like a lot of that is largely futile. I, I feel like to um, to try to spread the gospel by uh, by means of arguing someone into our point of view, I can't think of a single person who has been argued into the kingdom of God. I just can't. I, I, yeah. Maybe maybe they exist. I haven't met one. Yeah, uh, I yet. think what people <laughs> yeah. what people are attracted to is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the figure of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you read the New Testament, none of the people who encountered him, uh, he didn't argue any of them uh, yeah. in, into uh, following him. They just encountered him. And as a result, their eyes were opened. 
uh, and their limbs were healed. Yeah. Um, and marvelous things happened. Yeah. Uh, it was the encounter. It wasn't. It wasn't the justification. It mm-hmm. feels to me like a lot. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of theology itself. A lot of um, apologetics have more to do with a believer who is trying to justify to himself or to herself mm-hmm. why they believe what they do, and that's good too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all need to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, that's that's what I meant by maybe my most Christian mm-hmm. book and mm-hmm. certainly my least evangelical. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I kept looking at the, uh, you know, as, as you were describing the theater and the way the community looked at it. Yeah. In um, the most amusing way, I, 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 what I loved, and, and people were very protective, but they did not want it to go away, clearly. And that was, <laughs> but I even started thinking of like in, the, in, what, in pop culture, so in Seinfeld, you've got Monk's Cafe or whatever it is. You've got uh, Central Perk in Friends. Right. <laughs> uh, you start going Cheers. You've got yeah, a McCl- bar. Yeah. Yeah. You've got, you've got a place where people mother. want to go to yeah. be themselves and be comfortable with mm-hmm. uh, people they trust. And right. there's something about that. And I kept looking. I was like, man, what lessons can the church learn from this? Being your most Christian yet least evangelical. <laughs> that's what, that, that's yeah. what I thought. I said, that's it. This is what I, I kept thinking, like, man, this was... It was well, what do we all yeah. want? We want a place uh, yeah. where we can go and just be accepted for who we are yes. uh, and have conversations that are not limited by the fact that we're, like, in a church building so we don't dare say, yeah. hey, this thing is really irritating me. Yeah. Um, and, yes. You know, it's it's so nice just to have a group of accepting um, ac- accepting people yeah. who aren't going to, um, to judge us. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Empress provides for Virgil and his friends, yes. um, especially during the after parties, which I, mm-hmm. I totally enjoyed mm-hmm. um, writing about, which is, you know, he's got this sort of, uh, he's got this cache of, of films that are illegally uh, <laughs> up in the, in the closet <laughs> of the theater uh, because the, they were there when he bought the place and yeah. he found out about it later. Um, so what he does is he just invites people in from time to time, mm-hmm. and they watch um, Spartacus. Like sample, mm-hmm. sample the good stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, what a what yeah. a glorious idea that is. You, you tend to write what you need, and that's yeah. what I needed at the, at that time. It was almost yeah. like a like a speakeasy. Like people would yes. be like, hey, are you sh- are you? I heard you're showing right. something, but you're not yes. doing it during a regular time. It right. was so exactly. funny. Yeah, but people find <laughs> it out, and they kind of yeah. elbow their way in. You know, yeah. Yeah. kind of. Yeah, it's a lovely idea. I, I really. For to sum up, one thing at the end after reading, like I really wanted to go back and watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, which you absolutely you kept must roasting. do. Yeah, yeah, no, I need to. I haven't yet since. So. Uh, but yeah, it's a very but, uh, good film. It holds up real well. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Fun? nice. Well, um, yeah. Aaron, do you want to go? Well, just kind of, just kind of jumping around a little. We touched on we touched on some of this this before, but with you with your process for mm-hmm. for actually writing, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned that you you start off writing your 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 just the the first just get it out draft. Um, what, how long is it between typically between your first draft and your, and your, your final that you wouldn't necessarily hate on a, uh, yeah. you know, on a good day? Well, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I, uh, it took me a long time for this book for, for each draft that I did. Uh, the first one took me about four years and that's the one I ended up throwing away. I mean, mm-hmm. just wholesale. Yeah. I just threw it away. Mm-hmm. Um, I pressed delete. Uh, I should have done the smart thing, printed up a copy, and then burned that copy. That would have given me <laughs> oh, that would have given me a, a sense of closure, whereas all I had was a sense of terror. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but it was necessary because I felt if I hung on to that, I would go back and use it as a kind of crutch, uh, and I would try to rescue favorite lines and and you know all of those things. And I I, mm-hmm. I knew uh, I knew inside that I had to. Uh, to be rid of it, so I could start fresh. Yeah. Uh, especially once once I had Virgil. Virgil wasn't even in the first draft. He was he was not a character at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to take the Empress away from a man named Roy and give it to a a, a new one named Virgil. Uh, Roy disappeared without a complaint and um, didn't didn't try to get back in. Uh, so then the next draft. Um, was much more fun to write, and that too, it, it took me uh, probably three years before I had it yeah. at a place where I was um, not embarrassed by it. Yeah. Uh, and even so, I mean, it took a lot of uh, trust and faith for me to send it to, um, to my agent, 
uh, who is uh, Molly Friedrich in New York, mm-hmm. um, because I thought, you know, look, Molly had not heard from me in years. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure, you know, you never know. Did I still have an agent? I wasn't positive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and I sent it to her. And a day and a half later, um, yeah. she, she called and said, oh, let's run. Let's run yeah. with it. So nice. that, was, uh, that was a huge relief. But you always have to. Uh, you have to um, bury yourself eventually, you know, yeah. um, if you're going to accomplish anything. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, no, Dave, you look like you want to so, say something. So, uh, one other question on Virgil Wander. So, it's only because I just finished uh, Hannah Coulter by Wendell Berry. Any chance that name happened to uh, be inspired by uh, Virgil Feltner? No, um, uh. actually, uh, <laughs> Hannah Coulter is one of his books that I have not read. Okay, so it's wonderful. Oh, I'll bet it is. Is it I, part of the uh, the Port William? Mm-hmm. It is fellowship. Yes. yes, I love I love yes. those characters. Absolutely, um, yeah, I really do. Wendell Berry's been important to me. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I love his deliberate approach and his careful approach to his characters. Mm-hmm. And what is so clear to me whenever I read him is how much he loves them, mm-hmm. how much he loves those people he's writing about. Um, and they're all just flawed in very realistic directions, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, terrific mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Uh, no, Virgil, the, the name yeah. came from the epic poet, uh, 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 who I'm uh, very fond fantastic. of. Fantastic. And, uh, okay. and who is that that sort of guide character, you know, yeah. Virgil. Uh-huh. Um, and then the name Wander is simply, uh, I, I loved it for its irony. You know, I mean, yes. uh, here's here's a man who's yeah. spent 25 years in one place. Yeah. Um, yeah. But inside, inside, he's wandering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. <laughs> When I first looked at, at the title, I'm like, okay, where is he going with this? I'm, I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was eager to read, but yeah. more just curious. Right. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. fascinating. No, uh, no, Wendell Berry, I'm glad you brought him yeah. up. Uh, terrific. Um, really inspirational writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I went through a period when I was reading Wendell Berry or I was reading Walker Percy, uh, uh, oh. one of the two, and it's, it's hard to beat either one of them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. All right, so... Um, are there uh, were there books like have you always been a reader? I mean, ever since you grew up? Yeah, I learned to uh. read real real early. Um, my mom was a teacher, so she wasn't very patient about me waiting until I went to school to learn. She she taught me uh, before I went to kindergarten. So, you know, books have just kind of always been around, and and words have always been in the air. Um, I, I think that I I just sort of take literacy for granted, and um, and a lot of people can't afford to take it for granted because they don't yeah. grow up surrounded by books and right. and, uh, and with parents who read to yeah. them. And I, if I could do one thing, if I could change one massive thing about the yeah. world, uh, I would just have all parents read to their very small kids because I mm-hmm. think it makes a huge difference uh, down the it road. It really does. We, we talked yeah. about that a lot, just the fact of surrounding mm-hmm. our kids. All of us have yeah. kids uh, who are all yeah, yeah. My middle man. reader age yeah. well, to, to yeah. younger and – it's really fun because you put books around them and it's amazing what happens. And yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. they're, they're all reading like they've, I, I've been really thankful that they're mostly starting to age out of, <laughs> of some of the stuff that's a little bit like kid flotsam <laughs> books. Um, yeah. So they're fun. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're fun. like, it's like, okay, it's better than you reading nothing, yeah. but not hey, but much. That's, you know, that's, a, that's a necessary <laughs> yeah. time. It absolutely is. Absolutely. absolutely. You know? But I mean, you know, our kids um, adore anything by Mo Willems. They, yes. um, oh yeah, his uh, his his <gasps> kid books are so much fun. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, I have to confess ignorance okay. there. I, it's uh, okay. So uh, so Mo Willems is uh, he he was actually an animator on Sesame Street. Oh, um, yeah. Yes. Okay. And um, he started out. He branched into um, children's books with a a series about a pigeon who wanted to drive a bus and. <laughs> Um, and so just, they're they're just all a little bit absurdist. Yeah. And then he did twenty five books that are all um, about two best friends uh, who are elephant and piggy. Elephant and piggy. Okay. Um, and they so have wonderful. all kinds of fun little adventures together. Yeah. Um, and they all follow a very specific format where one of them loses their beans in the middle of it. Yes. And uh, but they're just so much fun. Yeah. Um, he's just started an, a new one about the lonely squirrels or something like that so, too. And so we never talked about Mo, which is funny. Know, we, yeah, I'm like, I, I know my, we've my got, youngest daughter. Um, Still reads them and loves. Mm-hmm. She's still, I mean, though she's reading complicated books, but she's yeah, like, I want to go read yeah. Elephant and Piggy again. I'm like, okay, well, honestly, there you go. Well, those Do books it. are um, those books are responsible for the survival of adult books. Absolutely, yeah. they absolutely, are. absolutely. Um, 
and also the survival of books that are made out of paper. Yes. Yep. You know, because yeah. you can't really uh, have a satisfying experience with a book as a little kid. Absolutely. Unless it's uh, an actual physical book that yes. you put in your lap and you move those pages around yes. and the big colorful pictures are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you just soak something up from that experience mm-hmm. that later on you don't want to give up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Our two kids are 30 and 27. Mm-hmm. And I don't think either one of them owns an ebook. Yeah. Uh, they they buy physical books and they read all the time, but they're buying the the, the physical yeah. books. Uh, they're not interested in e-books. They're like, this is a book experience right mm-hmm. here, and I yeah. think that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just fascinating yeah. and somehow encouraging to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah. there's, it's it's like mm-hmm. you 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 set an example and. I wake up, I want my kids to walk down and see me reading. And I'm mm-hmm. reading the Bible. I'm reading a good book. Mm-hmm. Yep. At night, it's the same thing. And I want them to just look at this like, oh, that's just normal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that's yeah. What, you know, but they have to have their own journey with it. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. why, like, when they go from uh, a certain type of simple book that tells a good formulaic story and they say, okay, I want something that kind of takes this next journey. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And you read something different. And yeah. it's, you read widely at that point. And yes. It's yeah. fun to see a kid that just connects. Yeah, and there's so, a, um, there's a, actually a photo that I'm trying to find here. It is one of my favorite photos of my kids. Um, it is all of them <laughs> sitting on the couch together. Oh, oh I awesome. found it. Um, there we go. It's a little bit blurry, but um, it's all three of them on the, on the couch. Each one is just reading, reading, and all in a row. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! It's the yeah, best. That's, yeah. It is. It is my most favorite thing in the world. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. fantastic. It's like that's a good Saturday it's a morning. Right yeah. There. yeah. Oh, even with a towel. Yeah, over one. The head. Yeah, one had just had a shower in the morning and had a towel. <laughs> that, on is, her head. that is <laughs> terrific. Yeah. Like, but, uh, are there particular mm-hmm. uh, books that have had a big influence in your life? Oh goodness! Yeah, there's so many. I I, yeah. I would have a hard time naming yeah. even a, a handful. But you know, I would say the first books that I remember being really kind of um, uh, suddenly enlarging to my world and my worldview were the Narnia books by C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Uh, I remember being 11 or 12, and and my mom, who had this delightful habit of. Uh, just sort of surprising me with things on days that weren't my birthday or, you know, no special occasion. One day, uh, I think I was 11, she went to her closet and she pulled down this boxed set of books. And she said, I've had these in the closet for a couple of years. I kept meaning to give them to you, but I never thought of it until today. Uh, <laughs> these are these are C.S. Lewis's Narnia stories. Um and I just I dove into them, and I, I can't tell you how many times I read those. Um, talk about expanding your world. Uh, those those books still seem um, uh, more like history than fiction to me. I mean, there's just something lovely about those stories and the way that you know you 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 exist in this world, and then suddenly you're in this other world. Uh, the whole idea of it feels far too beautiful not to be true. Um, it's it's quite. Uh, um, it's mind-bending. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those were the first ones at the age of 11. Um, later, I tried to sort of recreate that experience by reading the the, the Hobbit books, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed them. Yeah. But they weren't the same thing for me. For yeah. this mm-hmm. reason, sure. they were not. Sure. I know for others, yeah. they've done uh, something very yeah. similar. Yeah. I, I liked them, but I, I didn't um, I didn't think about them after I, you know, went to bed at night. Yeah. Uh, the way I did with the Narnia stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to go to bed just hoping and praying that I would wake up, um, you know, uh, to the Narnian characters. Um, never happened yet. Mm. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's always time. Open up and see. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you yeah. are uh, almost at the end of your book tour. It's yeah. been, what, two months of this? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, been, man. Uh, I think it's been about pretty, you know, six pretty solid weeks. I love it. It's yeah. an old school book tour. Mm. That's what I love about city to city, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah Bookstore yeah. to bookstore. Yeah. How's that been? Because it, it's been years since you've done it, right? It's been a decade. It's yeah. really, really been fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I was wondering how what, how it would be different. I mean, after a decade, so much has changed. You know, the last time I went out, there wasn't really a social media thing happening. Yeah. Uh, now there is. I wondered if that would have an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has been it's been very different this time around. And I, I'm not sure what to attribute it to, mm-hmm. but it feels to me like readers are incredibly engaged right now, mm-hmm. um, and not just readers of fiction, readers of history and biography, readers of 
um, essays and poetry collections, and uh, and everywhere I go, people are recommending things to me that I've just got to read, and so we kind of yeah. trade recommendations. Uh, it's it's fantastic, and I think it must be happening on a large scale because if you look at the independent bookstore scene. Um, Ten years ago, they were on the rocks. Yeah. They were having mm-hmm. a hard time, and we it lost was, a lot of indie bookstores. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's like, man, they're doing well, and Did new you? ones are opening. Yes, yeah. How yeah. fantastic is that? It's so uh, good. Uh, a few months ago, Robin and I uh, moved to Duluth, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. We had only lived ninety miles from there, um, out in the middle of nowhere. But the thing is, when we first moved out to the farm, twenty-one years ago. We were six miles from our nearest bookstore. Mm-hmm. When that closed, we were 40 miles to our closest bookstore, and mm-hmm. we could still do that fairly easily. Yeah. Um, when that one closed, yeah. it became 90 miles to our bookstore in Duluth, mm-hmm. and we couldn't go nearly as often. Uh, that's a long way to run to get a book. Mm-hmm. And then that bookstore closed. But mm-hmm. a year and a half ago, another one reopened, and it is doing land office business. It's doing so Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that when we moved to Duluth a few months ago and we walked into this bookstore, it's called Zenith Books. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, We walk into Zenith Books and I think the owner thought we were a little nuts because we were like (laughs) tearing up. I mean, we were... because we felt at home. Yeah. You know how this is. Yeah. It's like you're, you're uh, in the desert and then all of a sudden you walk mm-hmm. in and there's a bookstore and they've got new books, they've got used books, mm-hmm. they've got every imaginable sort of title mm-hmm. um, and, and you feel like you're home. You're among your people. You're, you've yeah. found your tribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a relief. What a relief. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it just it beckons you to come, wander, yeah. literally, and yeah. discover. I mean, that, and that, that's the key word. We talk about this yeah. a lot. Like, yeah. I mean, that's the... The publishing buzzword, like, what yeah. about discoverability? How are people going to find out about new books? Yeah, and, right. Yeah. Independent stores do a fantastic job doing this. They do um, because they read so much. They yeah. read stuff. The personal recommendations are outstanding. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's, there's the, the curated aspect to yes. what's in an indie store yeah. um, that is a real draw for mm-hmm. for readers. And and I love that. That's actually one of the things that, I mean, we, we talked a little bit earlier um about you doing your you're doing a, a a stop on your tour at uh parnassus here in nashville right and that's actually one of the things mm-hmm. i love about that about going into that store is that it's like okay this is these are books that mm-hmm. someone thinks someone who who loves books thinks i should read yeah um and mm-hmm. that's just kind of the default position right in it so yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean that everything in there is good yeah <laughs> um no, because, but, but it's all but it's all preference stuff Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it so sure is. You find what works for you on top of that. And you yeah. just, yeah, that's how you discover new genres and, well, give it a try. See what you like. Yeah. We are going to do an experiment. We keep talking about this. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Aaron a, is, a, is a serious, awesome comic book reader. I love... He reads like 150 books a year, by the way. He's intense. <laughs> yeah. I'm the like 60 to 70. I'm the, I'm the, <laughs> Which I'm, is still intense. I'm the yeah. least that's, of all these that's guys. Still Part of us is doing about 100. He's doing about 150. I'm doing 60, 70. Do you guys actually count? Do you keep track? Yeah, we do. We do. We do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, so, maybe I should try um, this. Good so, reads. Oh, yeah. yeah, so there's a... Yeah. Um, there's a uh, there's a uh, um, social media site all dedicated to books uh, called Goodreads. Yeah, it is, Goodreads. Yeah, it's now owned by, it's it now yeah. by Amazon. So, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but it hasn't um, really changed much since. I yeah, appreciate no, no, that. I mean, basically, it actually just makes it a little bit easier for the books you read on your Kindle to just automatically get populated into your list. Yeah, so that's about okay. the only difference. Yeah. Um, but uh, but the nice thing with it is is. I really only use it just for the, okay, what am I actually reading? And and sure. I use it for a little bit of exploration. Mm-hmm. See, what are my friends reading? Right. Um, who yeah. who can I ask a question of? So why that book? Yeah. Um, right. Or, people leave their own reviews. Or, yeah. Um, well, some yeah, people, like commentary. Tons tons reviews. reviews and comments, yeah. which is kind of cool. And I think yeah. maybe helps fill the gap left by so many disappearing newspaper mm-hmm. book pages. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know? Yeah, there aren't as many book reviewers. Yeah. Just not, period. Yeah. That's not why. close. No, not close. The, now the dangerous slash downside is, is if you're having a bad day um, and you see one of your own books on there, you might get tempted to read people's reviews. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and that can either be a, uh, a humbling experience or an encouraging one, depending on which ones you read. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now outside of the Washington Post one, have you, have you read many since? Like, have you just taken time to say, I'm going to go comb around and start looking at reviews? I, I did. Um, after, um, 
I got one in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago, which was a, a really positive review, yes. which I did not expect. I mean, if yeah. you're a Midwestern writer, you don't necessarily expect mm -hmm. uh, that the Times is going to assign someone to your book uh, who will kind of understand it, understand the geography and, and the way people speak. Um, but they did, and, and it turned out to be a very uh, nice review. So after that, uh, then I, I, I gained the courage to go back and read a, a few other reviews as yeah. well. Um, but it's, you know, it's not something I particularly enjoy. I mean, nobody, yeah. nobody yeah. wants to, to uh, yeah. hear bad things about, about their, the book that they took a decade writing. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. You know, it's like uh, your heart is in your hands at that point yeah. and, yep. and you're offering it to people. And yeah. uh, it's, it's nice if they appreciate it, but not yeah. everyone does. You can't please everyone. Yeah. yeah. A book Barnabas and I have read, um, uh, Matterhorn by Carl Melantes, oh, which yeah. you know he was the, featured in the Vietnam series, Ken yes. Burnham, which was terrific. Yep. But uh, but what you know what struck me to read it, and I saw it when it came out, but then I started reading more. This was like a couple years after it came out, where I was like, I mean, it took him almost forty years to write this book. Yeah, and I knew, I mean, I'm sure psychologically has you know there's plenty there, but also like writing a book that's roughly like six hundred pages long too. Right. I thought like I feel like I need to read this just. Yeah. Because he yeah, did yeah. this, you know, and it was outstanding. It's you a great know, book. but and Carl's yeah. a terrific writer. It, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so sometimes I was like, you know, you spend a lot of time, you know, and and if they knew, wow, there's there's a whole book being thrown out. I, yeah. I didn't read that about that. Okay, yeah. that was a new one. Yeah. But sometimes you got to have the courage to do that, mm -hmm. um, which is hard to say. You know what? Just not good enough, and uh, it's not there yet. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, uh, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And it, it didn't it didn't feel like courage at the time. Uh, it felt like desperation. <laughs> really? Sure. You're like, yeah. I'm stuck. I can't I'm do anything else. I have to get rid of it. Yep. Yeah, wow. exactly. Yeah. And, I, okay. you know, I, I, I did not love that feeling. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, as soon as I uh, sort of reached Virgil's voice, then I understood that I could sustain it. Uh -huh. um, and that gave me the uh, what I needed to be able to press delete. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, Dave, at uh, at this point in the show, let um, me ask one more question. You, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna ask yeah. one. More, I'm gonna ask one more thing, and then we're gonna go to it. Well, um, I was gonna say we're getting close to the end. Yes. But I know you have one more question. Um. So, all right. So I've always, all right. This is how I've looked at your three books. All right. We, we've got three seasons, and we don't have a fourth yet. So I, love, I, I tell people, <laughs> it's kind of like, like Rivers written. I've written it multiple times. I've always read it in the winter for good ah, reason. Okay. Uh, kind of setting. Uh, so brave, young, and handsome. Probably more summer because you're you're in the Southwest, right? So you have a little bit of that vibe. Uh, and Virgil Wanderers, the the autumn book, yeah. right? Um, Interesting. So, so I don't know. I just I, I don't know if that was intentional, but I'm always curious, like. No, it wasn't you, at all. Yeah. Uh, but that's now I'm going to think about it, um, and maybe I'll. And part of it's the setting. I just feel like yeah. this kind of feel. They all have that feel. Right. And I love, and that's what we've talked about. There's yeah. there's books sometimes you can only read during the season of the year. Yeah. It's got to be the weather like it is outside in Nashville right. right now. Just this kind of cold, wet rain. This rain yeah. and like, this, is this is a good. good this is, this good is a great time for weather. Neil Gaiman books. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And so yeah, I don't know. It it is. You know, I know it's probably too early to think like, gosh, is there something like itching? You don't have to share anything about it, but like, do you, do you immediately switch gears and say, okay, I'm in the next one, even if it does take 10 years? Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, that happened before I finished this one as I, I, I understood what the next one is probably going to be. Okay. Oh, um, so yeah. I've just been making tons of notes. Uh, I haven't written a single sentence of it yet, but I've, okay. making, uh, I've filled a few notebooks with ideas and... Um, and I'm very excited to get back off the tour and yeah. start uh, jumping into this. That's great. But spring is yes. the is the season that you feel like this next one needs to uh, sort of represent. Yeah. Interesting. That's, I'm, throwing that's, that's, <laughs> I'm gonna throw that out you know, there. You know, for me, books the books that I read, uh, I would say correspond to <laughs> the seasons I'm enduring inside. You know. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I'm I'm kind of an insomniac, yeah. and um, and if I'm an insomniac having a difficult time with, uh, you know, this thing or that. A few years ago, when my parents were dying, uh, and Robins were dying at the same time, uh, I just began mm. to wake up and not be able to go back to sleep. Yeah. Uh, and at first, uh, I would just lay awake and worry about things I couldn't control. Um, and then I realized, no, you know what I'm what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to read some stuff that I've wanted to read for a long time, or I'm going to reread some old favorites that that I should revisit. Um, and so I spent, you know, uh, hours a night for several years uh, rereading Melville and rereading Robert Louis Stevenson and 
uh, and and rereading Ann Tyler from that great period between um, dinner at the homesick restaurant and say breathing lessons. Um, and what I found all those books had in common was, uh, and I read Nick Hornby, Everything by Hornby, who, mm. who man, Hornby yes. makes it look easy. I, yes. yes. It's just like falling, one off, of my yes. falling off a log with him. Yes. I, yes. Just, I love Hornby and mm-hmm. and, uh, and Michael Chabin, who always mm-hmm. feels to me like he's just, he's stepping out with his hands full of something you're going to love right here, you know? Yeah. Uh, he's just got yeah. it. This is what he is. I know. He I actually too. told I him to come Somebody. on down. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. honestly, um, those books... They didn't solve my yeah. insomnia, but they reminded me what a good place the world is. Mm. Um, and and I think um, you know, talk about seasons. Uh, I was in a I was in a long autumn there, mm. and those books really got me through it. Mm-hmm. They really did. Outstanding. Yeah, that's. <laughs> It just feels so good. So I'm I, I just named glad. a few yeah. names that you guys then, were. Yeah, in. absolutely. Yeah. See, yeah. I am um, I'm a sucker for Nick Hornby. I mean, one of my yeah. like. One of my all-time favorite books is is High Fidelity. Oh, it's a great and book. I, I mean, I love his <laughs> – like he just does a good job of capturing the um, down-and-out kind of kind of semi-grumpy, yeah. um, you know, weird hyper-collector, uh, hyper yeah. quirky guy. Yeah, and, he does. You know – yeah, it's it's just fantastic. Yeah, and, I, I think Hornby is a great human being. I, yeah. uh, uh, you, you couldn't you couldn't not be a great human being and, and perform like he does. Um, the, about a boy is similarly just brilliant, mm-hmm. um, and the way he alternates points of view. And yeah. um, you know, those are those are wonderful stories. Flawed characters you're cheering for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, all of them have that about a boy. They do. Pitch. You're like, yeah. okay, yeah, I resonate just, with this person and their yeah. quirkiness. But yeah, uh, yeah right. they make some bad decisions. You know, yeah, all, yeah. Oh, it's they like, totally but they, do, but yeah, know, are like, incredibly redemptive. They have that's, a great character yeah. arc. Yeah, and yeah. what I love is yeah. even his minor characters always have an arc. Yeah, his minor characters oh. aren't aren't like. Um, you know, they're not cutouts. These aren't stenciled characters. Uh, they're people who feel like they have lives off the page, and you kind of wonder about them later. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I, I just adore that about his yeah. books. I wish he would write um, more of them. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, listeners, thanks for uh, hanging in with us. Uh, leave your your five star rating and review. Who cares how sincere it is? And we'll talk to you later. Bye. This is an area code podcast.